0: Father, it's such a joy to be here today, to have this opportunity to worship you, to know that your Holy Spirit is moving among us as we lift our praise to you, as we take these opportunities to study your word. and We acknowledge now that your word is living and active, that it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It is your truth spoken to us, and your word is sufficient for all things. We believe it is true. We believe it is our guide for life. And Lord, we believe today that it is the way of discovering salvation for all who gather in this room. For any who do not know him today, they can come to know Christ, revealed in your word, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. So God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us, God, to discern your truth and how to apply it to our lives this morning. Lord, thank you for all these who have gathered. Minister to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning to you. So glad you're here today. Hope you had a great weekend. Let me invite you to turn to Psalm 24, which is our text for the morning. Psalm 24 we will examine as we begin a new series, Set Free. Before I get into that, uh, let me mention a couple of things. We have an evangelism training opportunity. Uh, Maybe you want to make a difference in the world and sharing Christ as God has commanded us to do, but you're a bit nervous, apprehensive, you don't know what to say that type of thing. You can go to our website in the event section, and you can sign up for the evangelism training that's starting uh, on October 15th at 4.30, and it'll uh, last for several weeks. It'll be a great help to you, so take note of that. And then, as it's been mentioned, we want to pray for the Leathers family in the passing of Brother Glenn. Pray for the family to have strength, God's comfort and grace. But even in the midst of the grief, we celebrate because we know that Glenn is far better off than we are. He is in the presence of his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and God. That brings great comfort from God for all of us in this room today. Uh, so, as we look to God's Word, we're going to study Psalm 24, a new series, "Set Free," and this is where I go from preaching to meddling. Okay, we're going to go from uh, some of our sermon topics we've had to jumping with both feet into the deep end, talking about money and materialism. So. What a day to show up. So today, the next two weeks, we're going to seek to be set free from the bondage that we are often in because of our finances, because of our longing for more stuff in this world. It's a huge need because we are very materialistic people, more so really in our country than most any other place on the planet and probably in this era of time more than any civilization that's gone before us. I mean, this is a really big issue for us. One we don't like to acknowledge, but we do begin to think, we begin to behave in patterns where we are expressing that it's money that will make us happy. More stuff will make us happy. I mean, come on, all of us today, if we had more money, we wouldn't complain, right? A little more money might help some things, relieve some pressure with the monthly bills. Uh, There's stuff we long for, and maybe you want a new certain kind of car or boat or a bigger house or whatever the thing is, there's stuff out there that we want In life, And that's not all necessarily bad, but when we get stuff, when we have more money, it will not bring greater levels of satisfaction in our lives. I mean, isn't that true? We've had stuff, the newness wears off, it's just commonplace to us. We find that if we get more money, it might provide certain things in life, but it's not the ultimate solution to our problems. Because money and material possessions do not equate to greater levels of happiness. If so, we would find that very wealthy people are always the happiest people on the planet. But we all know wealthy people who are happy, but we know wealthy people who are also unhappy, right? And the same is true with those who are poor. We know people who are poor but very happy and people who are poor who are very unhappy. You see, money has a way of fooling us into believing that it will make us happy. Loving it and longing for it, though, is really a fool's errand. Listen to what Scripture tells us in Hebrews 13:5. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. Wouldn't that be great today if we could find ways to be satisfied and content? Not that we won't work hard and honor the scriptures and saving for the future, investing toward retirement, utilizing things that God entrusts to us to do good things, to have more, to do more, but to be set free from that mentality that somehow more stuff's going to make us happier. That we can be set free and no longer live as a slave to these types of things. Do not let it control our hearts and cause us to change the way we live our lives. To no longer be a slave to anything but to Jesus Christ. That's our goal and ambition in this series. Now, perhaps today you're struggling financially. You're worried about all the bills that are piling up. You're worried that retirement looms in the near future but the money's not there to Uh, experience it, you're worried about paying for kids college or braces or all the stuff of life. Listen, money problems are definitely overwhelming, but let's not be fooled into believing that more money is going to fix all of our problems. You see, money has a way of stealing our heart's affection. It can become a God in and of itself and we will begin to love it, to believe in it, to have more of it so we can satisfy more stuff and more longings in our hearts. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now note, it doesn't say it's the root of all kinds of evil, we often, uh, or the root of all evil, we often think of it that way, but it's the root of all kinds of evil. It can do good, but also it causes a lot of damage for a lot of, pe- a lot of people. And by craving it, notice what it says here, Some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So how can we be able to avoid being led astray by money and possessions? How can we get this under control in our lives? I want to spend a few moments and examine Psalm 24, a passage you may be familiar with, but one maybe you haven't considered as it relates to material things. Now, to understand a little bit about the context, it's believed that this was a psalm written to commemorate David's returning the ark to Jerusalem, as recorded in 1 Chronicles 13 through chapter 15, probably was sung in a very unique way where different choirs and soloists were singing parts back and forth, almost like a responsive reading, if you've ever done that in church. So that's kind of the the context here. Uh, But I want us to look a little bit deeper and with a little bit different light on it because I think this powerful passage can help us to understand three important truths that will set us free financially. So let's look at Psalm 24. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false and is not sworn deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Such is the generation of those who inquire of him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates, rise up ancient doors, then the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Rise up, ancient doors. Then the King of glory will come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord of armies. He is the King of glory. So, what in the world does that have to do with being set free financially? Several important things I want us to consider. First of all, Psalm 24 tells us concerning money God owns it. That's our first point today, God owns it. It's kind of like the old beautiful hymn, this is my father's world. It says there, this is my father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand, the wonders, rod. What a great encouragement to us today to know that everything we experience and know in this universe is from God. He is the creator, he is the sustainer of life, he is the sovereign over all creation. It always amazes me when people say uh, they don't believe in God. I've never understood the atheist. I'm not an atheist because I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I look around and see the design, the beauty, the majesty of creation and recognize there's the fingerprint of God on everything around us. Just the other day, I was leaving campus late at Truett, and as I was driving away from campus, the sun was setting, the beautiful orange glow uh, behind behind the mountain ranges, and the crispness of fall on the way, and it just felt so beautiful, so wonderful, so majestic, so amazing, and and you've seen the sunsets, the stars of the sky. We see how God has created this world, this is my father's world. And it says in verses one through two the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord, for he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. So, David praised the Lord because everything belongs to him because he is its creator. So, verses one and two speak of God's sovereignty over all things. He made it, and therefore he is the sole owner and master of all of it. All of its marvels, all of its beauty, all of its richness, all of it proceed from God alone. The earth and all its resources belong to the Lord. Now there's incredible comfort in this reality. Great peace that comes to us because all the parts and regions of the earth are the Lord's because they're all under his eye and his watch care, under his hand, someone said this, as a child of God, wherever you go, you may be comforted with this, that you do not go off your father's ground. Wherever life takes you, no matter how bad it is during your season of life and how high the bills pile up, God is still in control. God is the maker of the universe around you. He is the maker of your life. Everything belongs to him and he is the sustainer of his creation. Psalm 119 verse 90. Listen to this verse. Your faithfulness is for all generations. For those who heard these scriptures the very first time, down to all of us sitting in this room today, God is faithful to all generations. He established the earth and it stands firm. It's so odd that we worry over money so much we worry over having more things and yet everything we own all that we've ever had all that we ever will have all of it belongs to God as you draw a breath in your lungs right now that breath is given to you by God he created you he created the universe therefore all of it belongs to God God owns it all And we fight and deceive and steal and do whatever we might do to get more, trying to get more stuff under our control. If I just had more money, if I had more material possessions, if I just had that next thing, then I would be happy. And yet, as we try to gather all this stuff up in life, every bit of it still belongs to God. Psalm 50, verse 10, For every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Today, if you want to be free from the hold of money over your life, you need to recognize, first and foremost, God owns it. He owns all of it. Everything belongs to Him. Now, great comfort comes with that because then you realize our second point, not only does God own it, God distributes it. God distributes it. And maybe you feel like today that the walls are caving in on you because your money problems. You can't pay the bills. You can't afford things. Your kid's going to college, all the stuff. You need to remember today, God is your great provider. Now, that doesn't mean that all of our bad decisions go away, the consequences from poor spending. If we uh, suffer an economic uh, downturn, a layoff, things, bad stuff happens in this life. God never promised to make our lives easy. Here's what he did promise. He didn't promise to give us everything we want but he did promise to give you everything you need. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 10, verse 3, The Lord will not let the righteous go hungry, but he denies the wicked what they crave. God will provide for his children. We read a moment ago how God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Years ago, Dallas Theological Seminary was just in its formation and the great lecturer of that school, Harry Ironside, was speaking to the audience of people gathered in chapel. It was, they were just trying to get off the ground. They were struggling financially and they had an urgent need for $10,000, which was astronomical in that day. And Ironside got up before the people and he offered this prayer, Lord, you on the cattle on a thousand hills. Please sell some of those cattle to help us meet our need. Now, shortly after that prayer meeting, remarkably, miraculously, a check for $10,000 arrived at the school, and it was sent days earlier, put in the mail to make its way to the school, with a note attached with no idea that Ironside would ever pray that prayer, and the man simply said in the note that the money came from the sale of some of his cattle. (laughs) Listen. God provides for his people. God provides for what we need to sustain life. He gives us what he needs to fund the plans he has for our lives. So don't let the financial problems of your life overwhelm you. God has a plan for your life, including how to provide for your every need. God has a plan to sustain you. Look back at Psalm 24. Verse 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not appealed to what is false or to an idol or a false God, and who has not sworn deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Now, in context, what do we see here? Clean hands. Refers to right actions. It talks about a pure heart. This is having the right attitude and will. Only those who do not worship idols are true worshipers. So if we're idolatrously pursuing money, chasing after material things like so many in our world today, what happens? We're hindered from the presence of God. And we need to recognize this great danger of always craving more stuff, always wanting more money what happens is our worship becomes empty, our spiritual vitality is nullified. So he who enters the presence of God now, and more so for eternity, is not there because of attaining riches. It's not through status. We don't earn any favor with God. Those things have no consequence as far as earning favor with God, but actually begin to hurt us spiritually. You see, those who enter the presence of God are those who have been made clean. And that happens how? When we trust in Jesus Christ, he is the greatest treasure we could ever find. And when God is first, when your worship is of him and not material things, then God provides for your needs and blesses you. Verse 5 makes this clear. He will receive blessing from the Lord. So we follow Christ. We live under his lordship. We have clean hands and a clean heart. We're walking with God, and God makes these promises to provide for those who follow him with blessing from the Lord. What are those blessings? First and foremost, we should not miss blessings given to us in Christ. Through faith in Christ, we have endless satisfaction one day as we experience verse 3, as we stand in his holy place Then we'll be made truly and forever happy. We no longer have cravings for more stuff in this life. And finally, our hearts will be set free from all those empty longings. But added to that, the first and foremost blessing is Christ, our relationship with God. But it also includes monetary and material blessings. Think about it. Hasn't that been true in your life previously? Think about the track record of God in your life. Here you are in this room. You're clothed, thankfully. You got here in a car. You're going to go eat today. I doubt there's anyone in this room who's going to go today, tomorrow, the days going forward without something to eat to sustain our lives. God has been faithful. Some of you have seen God's faithfulness in incredible and truly miraculous ways. Much like that situation in that seminary, God has showed himself strong in your life through his provision and I'm telling you this God will provide for your future needs as well he's not just the God who is faithful in the past he is the God who is faithful in the present and he will be faithful to you in the future today and all that worry all that fretting about money you can lay all that stress aside and you can trust your great God and you will receive blessing from the Lord not some prosperity gospel that you're going to be made rich and you're going to have a private jet or stuff like that, but God is faithful to his children. He will bless you. Now it will be as he sees fit. It may not be as much as someone else. I was kayaking up uh, at Seed Lake, which is in North Georgia recently, and as I was paddling there my little uh, cheap kayak, I would pass these beautiful soaring lake homes that were just overshadowing the lake. And People come by on these $100,000 boats and shake me in my little cheap kayak. And there I was, envying all that stuff, thinking, wow, how incredible that must be. Look, God will supply your needs as he pleases, as he desires. And that is what, why Timothy tells us, godliness with contentment. What I have with that, I will be content because that is what is gain. Gain is not having more money, more stuff. God owns it, and God distributes it as he sees fit, but God will distribute it in your life. So God owns it all, God distributes it out to us, and then number three, what so many people miss. They understand, okay, God owns it, and then he gives it to us, and then they don't connect the dots to the last point. God owns it, God distributes it. Number three, God still owns it. Remember, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So here's where we make the mistake. God distributes to us abundant provision. Our cup overflows. I mean, a lot of us are sitting here today thinking about all the things God has given to us. We are far more blessed than we deserve. We have so much. We open up the closet, we look at our clothes, and what do we say? I don't have anything to wear. I have nothing. We got a whole walk-in closet full of clothes. We have two cars in the driveway, we have multiple, we have spare rooms in the house. I mean, we are abundantly blessed. You're going to leave here today and you're going to say to your wife, where do you want to go to eat? And she's going to say, I don't care. And you're going to say, well, how about this? And she's going to say, no, I don't want that. And then you're going to say something else. She goes, no, I don't want that. And on, on, it's going to go. But then you say, well, where do you want to go? And she's going to say what? I don't care. I mean, this is where we are. We have stuff everywhere. God has blessed us and all that we have it still belongs to him. I was thinking about this the other day a little story but you know when you're texting someone I didn't realize this a few years back if you use punctuation especially a period at the end of your sentence you're being mean like you're saying you're mad or I'm done with this conversation and I didn't know that my kids came to me they're like dad why are you so mad at us I'm like what are you talking about your text I read my text it was just a simple sentence they're like you put a period at the end. Like, oh, heaven forbid. what well, You went to school to learn how to do. But apparently that's not what you're supposed to do. Punctuation's kind of out. Well, this husband was busy one day. His wife was out. She noticed some beautiful diamond earrings, and she sends a picture, a text to her husband and says, hey, can I buy these? And she put the price. It was this really high price. And he just responded, didn't punctuate his sentence, and he said, no, price is too high. Without punctuation, she received that text message and read, no price is too high. And then she bought those <laughs> earrings. <laughs> Listen, like that lady, we can have the mindset that we should have it all. We deserve it all. We should get more stuff. We, we long to have more material things. and I get it. I can be the same way, but it's recognizing today every dollar in every account, Every garment and every closet, every closet and every house and every car and every garage is the Lord's. Even your life, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your life belongs to God. That is the essence of lordship. It is doing what Christ told us, to take up our cross and follow him, to die to ourselves, to surrender our wants, our desires to God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So, today, to understand that what you have is not yours. Who you are, your very life, everything you have belongs to God. And what God does, because He owns it, He then distributes it, He puts His resources in our care. Listen, for us to be caretakers and stewards of what belongs to him. Why does he do that? Why does God, who owns everything, give it to us when in reality he still owns it? Why put it in our care? Is it so we can just go buy a bunch of stuff? No, he puts it in our care for his glory. He wants us to take everything he has placed in our care and use it for his glory, to use our resources for his purposes, not just for our comfort and our pleasure. Look at verses 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, you gates, rise up ancient doors, then the king of glory will come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, rise up ancient doors, then the king of glory will come in. Who is this king of glory, the Lord of armies? He is the king of glory. God would tell us in this passage today to lift up our heads, stop living defeated and discouraged, stop believing things are hopeless, that there's nothing we can do in our situation to lift up our gaze to God and and stop believing material things of this world or what's going to make us happy or or stop gazing upon riches stop looking for stuff to bring fulfillment in life but instead for to look for how God can take what he has given to us and how we can use it for his glory do you understand today Do you look up to the reality of God's truth presented in the scripture that what you have is his and he gave it to you so that you could be a steward over it? So here's the sobering part. Every time we spend money, every time we swipe that card, write that check, hand that cash, we are spending God's money. Now, That doesn't mean that we can't enjoy some things in life. I mean, God's given everything. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. But everything in your care, you are watching over it for God. So here's an implication. A lot of us today make the mistake of believing, hey, God has blessed me, and now I'm going to give my tithe. I'll give my 10%. I'll give my tithe and honor God with the first fruits of what he's given to me. So I've done that. Now I'm going to take this and just kind of go do my thing. I'm going to live my life with this 90%. And God's saying, eh, hold up. Yes, you gave 10% as an act of obedience and honoring me and trusting me in faith, but now you have 90%. And guess what? I still own all 90% of that too. And you need to go and use that to continue to bring me honor and glory. So, we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks how we can approach that and how that breaks down with the material things of life and creating margin and saving in life, but also the ministry aspect and the mission of God in our lives. All of it belongs to God. So, next time you think you own something, just be reminded of this. Because we say things like, and nothing wrong with it, it's just semantics, but I own my house, I own my land, I own this thing, when in reality, you're just a steward of it. Because you're going to die and then your kids are going to squabble over your house and then they're going to take those old family portraits and that picture of you and it's going to end up hanging in a Cracker Barrel somewhere. So just be prepared for that. You need to get rid of those old pictures. You're going to, your family's going to be embarrassed one day. But isn't it true? Everything you own, the, the land you own, if you own land, somebody else owned it before you. And somebody's going to own it after you. Why? Because we are stewards of all the stuff that belongs to God, and all of it is to be used for His glory. So God wants you to use your resources to point people to Him, not just for your comfort and happiness. Now, I'm not saying you have to necessarily just give it all away and just put on an old feed sack and walk around as a pauper begging for your next meal, but... It's not just about being happy and comfortable and having stuff. So in this sermon, the next two to come, what we want to discover is that God wants us to be free financially. And it happens when we recognize it all belongs to him. Now I'm sure today there are a lot of people who feel trapped. You feel like life is overwhelming you, especially financially. Bills are piled up, kids that have needs. I mean, life's just expensive. Bacon's $8,000. I mean, everything's just more expensive. Life is hard right now. Economically, things are very challenging. And listen, I want you to note today, the Lord will supply your needs. And if it's His, and He gives it to us, and it's His, we need to recognize today, He still owns it. So if He owns everything... Have confidence he can handle your situation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. So we bow our heads this morning. I would ask you: do you know this great king? This one who is strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. The Lord strong and mighty in your battle. He is the Lord Almighty. Isn't it great today that God owns it? He distributes it to you, but He still owns it. Isn't it great that you don't have to worry about getting enough and having enough, but noting that in the end, God is your provider. That in the end, everything God has called you to, He will supply what you need. And you can going to have confidence today in your great God. And now you can take what's placed in your care for your needs to enjoy some things in life but most importantly to leverage it for his glory and his honor father we thank you for being so good to us with all the needs in this room today thank you that you will be the provider help us to shift our attention to reorder our thinking and our finances around these realities you are the owner you give us what we need and God we are stewards thank you for all that's in our care help us to be good caretakers of what belongs to you I thank you for these wonderful people encourage their hearts today show yourself strong for those who are worried over money those who are concerned that they can't make it to the other side of what they're facing God be with them be their great provider And God, thank you that you have made the greatest provision, meeting our greatest need, our need for a sacrifice for our sins. There is no sacrifice good enough that we could offer that would make atonement for our sins. But you sent the greatest gift, an indescribable gift, and your Son our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, a reminder to those who are believers today that if you can meet that need, God, you can meet with great ease any other need. And a hope today for those who do not know you, who are dead in their sin and trespasses, that they can find hope by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, the unblemished Lamb of God who went to the cross for our sin, who died as the atonement for our sin who's risen from the dead and now through faith in him we can have our sins forgiven and be granted eternal life new life in Christ so Lord for those who don't know you today I pray they would receive Christ for those who need to be encouraged and who need greater levels of trust in you I pray they would respond today and know that you are their mighty God that you are provider and sustainer of life so father we turn to you now we pray for your help in jesus name amen let's all stand together as we sing i'll be here at the front brother tom's going to join me if you have a decision to make for christ you come now whether it's receiving him as lord and savior uh, committing yourself and what you have that belongs to god and reaffirming that with the lord you need a church family you come join right now we'd love to have you here first baptist as we sing let's respond